Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Market Impact Insights. Let's start with a question. And this is something that we've asked ourselves. Anyone that's been in the professional work world at some point or another sits back and and does an assessment of where they're at on that journey. What is it that you really want from your career? Maybe it's about impact. Maybe it's about having more influence. Maybe it's just about helping others. But the question that we often ask ourselves is where are we versus where we want to be and where we can be? And so we're going to dive in and explore this idea of making the most of our potential from a career perspective with someone who has a deeply personal and passionate advocacy around achieving all you can from a career perspective, because it's something that she herself has actually had to uh, actually deal with and actually wrestle with, just like all of us. Lisa Hens has 25 plus years of corporate leadership experience. She most recently worked at a Fortune 300 construction engineering firm. She led a 75-person team across the U.S. and Canada in driving professional development initiatives. She now owns her own professional growth company, The Confidence Track, where she helps career-driven professionals achieve even greater levels of success through her leadership development and coaching. And I I mentioned this is really personal for Lisa. She uh, has struggled with uh, what we may have heard of before, which is imposter syndrome. This is something that's significant. Research shows that 70% of adults will experience this at some point in their lifetime. And it's difficult to talk about, but we're going to dive in and and hear more about Lisa's personal experience with that. And I want to quote her because I saw this out on social media, and this really struck home with me, which is, you are the greatest project you will ever work on. So we're going to get going and help people work on that project. Lisa, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Hey, thank you, Dan. I am honored to be here. Thank you. So I, I want to start out and just kind of go back and, and looking at your own career path. You're now totally focused on helping others achieve the most that they can from a career perspective. What inspired you to really focus on that, on helping others and and just getting you to where you are today? Well, a a couple of things, Dan, and and you had mentioned um, imposter syndrome, right? So I had an incredibly difficult experience with that. And that's one reason why I've been so inspired and I'm so passionate about what I do. But but also having spent more than 20 years in corporate and leading teams, I've seen too many times where people would be promoted into roles with little to no leadership development training. And it was unfair to them and to the people who reported to them. So I have a passion for helping professionals get that development that can really help them to be successful and really strengthen their leadership confidence. Yeah, what you said there is is something that really strikes a chord because even in, in my book, The Impact Makers, I, I talk about some of my own experiences. I mean, early in my career, Lisa, I think back, those managers that that 
can have such a big impact when you're just starting out, right? And and you're hoping for mentoring and quality coaching. And I had a similar experience with uh, managers that probably didn't need to be where they were at, and they just weren't confident, they weren't comfortable. And a lot of what they were doing was really more of a, a destructive versus a constructive nature. And boy, we just need to get to a better place, don't we now, with the next generation of leadership? Absolutely. I, I think it's definitely a priority for the success of the individuals, for the success of the organization. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I know you've talked about is the importance of authenticity when it comes to really developing this, this idea of a personal brand and, and, and being able to maximize career growth. What does this authenticity really mean? Authenticity, and, and I'm so glad you bring up authenticity because that, that is a huge topic with me. And it's about being genuine, honest, and true to yourself. And it's presenting yourself to the world in your own unique way that reflects your values, your beliefs, your personality. And when you are true to yourself in that way, it's very sincere. And that helps to form your personal brand because it becomes your identity that people can really connect with. And from a career growth standpoint, authenticity, because it's so tightly connected to your values, is what I like to call your North Star. If you're true to yourself and what is important to you, it can help guide you on career choices. It can help you make decisions that are aligned with who you really are. And you're more likely to pursue roles and projects that genuinely interest you when when you are authentic. And it also, let's refer to a competitive job market, it can really help you to stand out because everyone has a unique blend of skills and experiences. And that authenticity can really differentiate you from one person from another. And so it really helps you to stand out in that job market. Yeah. Now you bring up standing out in the job market and we know, boy, roles are so competitive today. In terms of what's happened certainly over the last year or so, a lot of competition try to get that. And it, it seems like there would be a lot of pressure to try to project yourself into what you think that employer wants, right? What their ideal is. What would you say to, maybe we're just taking it down to job seekers or someone who's looking for that next role, to how to avoid the trap of trying to be something you're not because you think that's what the person that's making this decision that's going to impact your career move wants. Yeah, I that's such a great question. And so what typically happens that I've seen and I've experienced myself, when you try to fit into someone else's mold and fit into their expectations, think of long-term how fulfilled do you think you will feel, feel, I mean, really, when you say you get that job and now you feel pressured into feeling you have to keep this persona going long-term that's not truly you. So at the end of the day, how happy do you think you'll be? How uh, how much value do you think you're adding? And And just, again, that authenticity, are you being authentic with yourself? Are you being authentic in your role? And and that shows up eventually because from a long-term perspective, sure, you can have some short-term success with that, but it's draining. And at the end of the day, you're going to feel it. And when you feel it, 
you project it. When you project it, of course, people see that in you. So it's definitely a risk by doing that. Yeah, I think the other aspect of authenticity that I think about is there's a vulnerability that, that comes out there. And I, I think back even like beginning of my career, let's say 30 years ago, boy, it just didn't seem common that uh, vulnerability, just you weren't comfortable in the workplace uh, because maybe that was seen as kind of a weakness. Whereas what you're talking about is um, really knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, knowing where you need to develop, get stronger. That can come across in a more virtuous sense than really being a negative. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sure we've all seen people where they don't come across as sincere. And again, it's noticeable, right? It's people can tell and, and that can be to the detriment of someone's long-term career plans, because again, it shows through. And, and if you are leading a team of people, how do you gain trust and build trust within that team when you can't come across sincerely or authentically because you feel that you have to be someone else in order to succeed. Yeah. And the research shows, you know, we think about the current generation of workers coming into the professional environment, what their expectations are, boy, the bar has sure been raised in terms of the qualities of leadership that they're looking for now, uh, which is more around authentic uh, sense of vulnerability, a sense of flexibility uh, versus one size fits all. Boy, it's just it's just changed dramatically um, out there for sure. Now, this is the part where I really want to start diving into your personal story because I know this is really profound for you, uh, Lisa, in the work that you do. And there are roadblocks, and and sometimes th these are mental roadblocks and constraints we put on ourselves in terms of being able to reach our full potential and. Imposter syndrome, it's prevalent out there, difficult to talk about, but can you share a little bit more about your journey and, and why this has been such a critical aspect of um, how you've reached out to try to help others? Yeah, absolutely. And so I found myself one night, uh, it was around midnight, and I was sitting at my kitchen table in complete darkness. There was not a light on in the house. I couldn't sleep. So I made my way down to my kitchen table and I just had a complete meltdown. I was, I couldn't breathe because I was crying so hard. I was gasping for air. I was bent over. I just felt the absolute weight of the world on my shoulders. And the reason why I was in this state is because I was offered a job promotion. And that was really a defining moment for me because I should have been awake because of the excitement, yeah. not because I was so ridden with anxiety and, and having that complete meltdown. And it, it, it was hard for me to understand, even though I had been feeling that way for a while, and it forced me because I knew I couldn't continue to feel that way. So it forced me to research and, and really start working on myself. And as I started researching and reading about it, it was crazy to me the percentage of people that experienced this in their lifetime and the fact that so few people talk about it. It's not, I think it's starting to be talked about more today. And that's part of my mission. I talk a lot about imposter no. syndrome is opening up that conversation because 
it can feel very isolating to go through an experience like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if we break it down though, in terms of what imposter syndrome is, it's, it's this sense of, of maybe not feeling worthy or not, not being entitled to something. What, what are some of those elements that, that really drive that, that mindset? So imposter syndrome, it causes us to believe that we haven't earned or deserved mm-hmm. what we've achieved. And we wait in fear that, that we will be exposed and people will find out, right? So there are three fundamental signs that I think are important for people to be aware of. The first one, again, is you believe your successes are due to having the right connections, luck, or timing. That's the first sign. The second is that you feel that everyone thinks you're smarter and more talented than you believe yourself to be. And the third is that constant fear that others will find you out. You're afraid that, that you know, for example, if I take on this job promotion, eventually people will find out that I really wasn't equipped or deserving mm-hmm. of that role. So those are the signs to look out for. Fascinating. So it's, it's really this... Um element of, of just self-image and confidence, right? In terms of what your abilities are and that dissonance between external perception and, and how you see yourself. Absolutely. And we are so quick to, uh, you know, when we have a success, we tend to externalize it. So we give pretty much everyone and everything else credit for the success that we've earned. And when we experience a failure or make a mistake, that's when we really internalize it. It's almost like we're looking for validation that we are phony or that we are a fraud. So we tend to really focus on any little mistake that we might make. Mm-hmm. And, and so that definitely plays into the whole imposter syndrome. And so part of the path to getting over this hump and, and really forging through this is really realizing that, you know what, we, we're all human. We all make mistakes. Mistakes um, are not a sign of weakness, even in a leadership role, and that actually learning and continuous improvement can only come through that. Is, is that part of the constructive kind of shifting of mindset, part of what you do in terms of the coaching and, and getting people through this? It is, Dan. It, it very much is. And, and it's not easy, right? It, it, it always sounds simple in theory, but it takes focus, awareness, intent to really work on oneself when their tendency and their default tendency is to go to those negative destructive thoughts. And it does help, uh, you know, one of the first steps that I tell people to do is track your triggers, pay attention to what makes you have those imposter like thoughts, because when you become aware, you might, you might find that there are one or two things that consistently trigger you. There might be patterns. When you recognize what those are, you're better equipped to to handle them. You're not caught as off guard like that deer in the headlights. And that's when that panic can come up because it's like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Well, when you're aware of what those triggers are as they're happening, you already kind of know what to expect. And so what I help people with in coaching is, track those triggers. And the second step is to take an action, right? When you are aware of what the triggers are, you're better equipped to come up with an action that can help minimize those impacts. So I'll give an example. If a trigger is, you know, if, if a trigger is that you're asked a question in front of a group of people that you're not prepared to answer, say yes. you're in a meeting 
and there's well, that. We've all been there, right? We, we, uh, know, that, yeah, we know that moment. It's, yeah, it's and it's, it's uncomfortable. And boy, I'll tell you what, if you have tendencies for imposter syndrome, that can make it pop up pretty quickly. So have an answer ready to go in your back pocket and, and say it confidently. You know, say, hey, that's a great question. While I don't have that, that data committed to memory, I have the info at my desk. As soon as I get back, I will send it over to you right? Or have something ready to go that can help minimize that, again, that panic and that deer in the headlights, like that gets you through that moment, buys you just a bit of time, but it can really help minimize those feelings that can come up very quickly. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, something that, uh, as I was coached a little bit later on in early stage of my career, that good advice that I had gotten is, look, when you're asked a question and you really do not have the answer to that, better to basically say, hey, I don't have the details. I'm not ready to answer that, but I'm going to follow up. If it's maybe it's following up with the team, the people that are actually closer to that, and I will circle back. And yeah. better than that to try to bluff your way through it, right? Which might be the first inclination because that, that rarely turns out well. You're exactly right. And people can tell. I, they can tell in your voice, the look on your face, yeah, the body yeah. language, it all comes through and it typically does not serve a person well. Yeah. So we've been talking about imposter syndrome and, and let's say this is happening within a, a corporate environment. Obviously, culture within any company um, is really driven largely by the behaviors uh, and the reinforcements from senior leadership. Can you talk a little bit, Lisa, because you've worked in that corporate environment how do you see the role of senior leadership, the executive leaders in an organization and how they can either foster support, uh, maybe a healthier culture, or maybe how they can negatively influence it? What, what, where do you see them playing out in this? I think the biggest opportunity for senior leadership is to, first of all, set the tone. And by doing that, when they can share experiences uh, that like, their own vulnerabilities and past experiences where they have, you know, made mistakes and maybe things didn't go well and possibly their own experience with imposter syndrome, boy, that can really help normalize the phenomenon and reduce that stigma associated with it. And when they're able to do that, it it's like giving everyone else permission to be able to do the same thing. And opening up that conversation, it creates that safe environment where other people can admit, hey, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing either, or I'm struggling right now with this. Uh, and, and that can go a long ways from a senior leadership perspective. I, the, the leaders that I most admire who I've worked with in the past did exactly that. They, they were human yeah. about it, right? No one is perfect. And we, we all have to realize that. And people who are higher up in the ranks, they started in the lower ranks. They went through very similar things, but we often forget about that. I also think when senior leaders can just let their people know that, hey, I believe in you. Uh, you know, I put you in this role. I know you can do it. And just know that I'm here for support, that there are resources to help you. I had the honor of interviewing a former CEO. She's a woman who was a CEO over a very large oil company. And she told me that that is one of the things she wished she would have done differently in, in her role is letting people know, especially those that she promoted, that she was there 
for support and to answer questions. She she saw how that impacted people and had people turn down promotions, I guess, similar to how I did, mm -hmm. because they felt they weren't equipped and that they would fail and that they didn't think about that they would be able to reach out versus just have all this pressure on their shoulders to do everything on their own. And so I think that and, and also providing mentorship and sponsorship uh, is, is so crucial yes. too. It, assigning a senior person to another person who you've either promoted, you're about to promote a high potential person, assign them with someone to really help them answer questions, talk through challenges and all of that can make a big difference too. Yeah. You shared the example of true vulnerability back to that concept of a senior leader saying, Hey, just like you, I've stumbled, I make mistakes because I'm human. And what a difference that is in terms of making a meaningful connection with your teams when you do that versus the other end of the spectrum, which we've all probably experienced at one time or another, which is, okay, here comes a leader who has the smartest person in the room uh, syndrome. And so, you know, it's like whatever in my presence, I'm going to remind you that uh, I've got all the answers. And boy, I've never seen the air taken out of a room or group meeting more than when we get in, locked into that cycle. Oh, I know it. It's I my my stomach kind of hurts just thinking about it, Dan, because again, we I'm, we've all been there and how can employees feel comfortable in sharing ideas and adding to the conversation when the room feels like that and that stage is set? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I love uh, love how you're sharing this idea of vulnerability at the leadership level. And of course, there's been a big focus, Lisa, on creating greater diversity in organizations that may be on gender or around uh, racial lines. But of course, we've got multi-generational teams as well. That's a reality. So we're in much more highly diverse situations in these organizations. Um, how do you see that impacting this idea of maximizing career success when we are all working together in a highly diverse environment? Well, I guess my, my biggest piece of advice is that first off, I, I caution people to assume they know someone based on what they've read about generations mm -hmm. or experienced with mm -hmm. someone from a different generation when we're talking multi-generational representation. And if we don't take the time to learn about each other as people, rather than generations, we miss a lot of opportunity for learning, connection, and effective collaboration. Because we, when we have these biases, and a lot of times they're unconscious, we're not aware that we even have them, they can really prevent us from understanding how we can work together. And we may end up making assumptions about each other that aren't even true. So these biases can hold us back from showing our leadership potential. And I think it's a great example of why empathetic leadership is so important. It's you just really have to take time to to get to know people one on one and they may surprise you. They they may be different to work with than what you assume. And so I think it's so important for us to take the time to do that, as we would probably want someone to do with us. Yeah, it's that building of relationships and something I always felt was so important there is taking the time to ask questions and get into listen mode, do more listening uh, than maybe talking uh, in, in forming a new relationship. Uh, you think that's along the right track? Absolutely. Active listening is something I talk a lot about in my programs and 
if you're not familiar with what active listing is or what the components are, I suggest that people go out and read about it because one of the biggest challenges I think within life in general, not just the workplace is, is miscommunication. So you're right on there, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've been a leader in a corporate environment. You've worked with a lot of impactful leaders. What do you think really makes a difference between truly exceptional leadership versus just good enough? I feel that exceptional leaders take the time to connect with their teams on a human to human level, taking away the titles, the hierarchy, and really being able to communicate as people. They are exceptional leaders are the ones who don't forget what it was like to be earlier in their career. I feel it's easy for those in higher positions to become distanced and and disconnected with the realities and challenges that those in lower positions face. So by using that empathetic leadership approach that I mentioned earlier, you you gain trust. And when you gain the trust of your employees, they tend to give their best and stay engaged. So again, it's going to that authentic and empathetic leadership style and connecting human to human. Yeah. Yeah. And I would think having that, we hear a lot about emotional intelligence and situational awareness, right? Comes into where you can read the situation. Uh, as a leader, you boy, you can see the big difference of those that can versus they can't. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, in your career, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? I think that's such a great question, and actually, I have I have two that that I would like to mention. I sat down uh, one day with my boss's boss because I expressed my interest in becoming a shareholder. I felt I was being pretty gutsy at the time, but you know what, you have to go for it sometimes. Then he actually told me, and I will remember this forever. He said, in order to advance, it's smart to not only get to know your boss's boss, but get to know your boss's boss's boss. And be brave and ask for opportunities to get in front of them, whether it's asking for an introduction or sitting in on a meeting or presenting, whatever that looks like, it's getting visibility within the higher ranks. And I'll tell you what, that absolutely served me well in my career by doing that. Mm -hmm. The other piece of of advice that I, I think is so important is strengthen your speaking skills. When you're a good speaker, it helps you to stand out from others it opens doors and it is a true differentiator, especially if you're pretty equal with someone from a technical standpoint, you're a strong leader. I think having good speaking skills puts you a notch ahead from everyone else. Boy, and that's such an area of, we used the word fear earlier and <laughs> as humans, right? I think, right. I, I saw the research like a long time ago that's, that puts presentations and kind of the fear of presentations, it's right up there with things like death. I mean, it was like incredible of how apprehensive a lot of people are about that, how nervous they get. It is. It's it's one of the top fears for sure. And and what I did, I I very much feared speaking, but I so wanted to become a great speaker. When I see a great speaker on stage or in any setting, it just is amazing to me how they can impact each individual in that audience. And I made myself join Toastmasters, you know, throughout my career. Uh, I've been a member of it off and on 
for many years. And I'll tell you what, I had a huge fear, but I forced myself. I got over it. I'm much more comfortable than I ever was. And also you just have to keep doing it. You have to volunteer to present in your weekly meeting. You start small, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you do get with it. Yeah, I think sometimes even the the practice and the confidence you build, even in small group settings or even one-to-one settings and the idea of just, and it doesn't have to be a formal presentation with slides, but I think communication effectiveness comes down just to even one-to-one communication. And so it seems like it's something you can always be honing your skills, right? It does, it doesn't always have to be that formally scheduled stand-up presentation, but it could pay off into those situations when you have the opportunity. Absolutely. Not just in work, but in your personal life too. It goes throughout your entire life. Tap into family and friends, right? To, to kind of engage in practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Lisa, when you look forward to the future, what makes you optimistic? There seems to be more and more focus on well-being in the workplace than there used to be. Thank goodness. And I really hope that trend continues because burnout is real. Anxiety is real. Imposter syndrome is very real. And I would love to see more coaching being offered to more employees and and not just the executive level. And while it's easy for me to say that because I'm a coach, it can be such a game changer and the benefits extend all the way to the bottom line. When I've seen the transformation and the people that I've coached, especially from a confidence level, it it makes such a huge difference for them. And, and they're much more powerful and impactful in their leadership and what they can accomplish and produce within an organization. So that, you know, focusing on the well-being and really focusing on helping the individuals within an organization, that's what I'm optimistic about. Yeah. Well, it's something to get really excited about. And as we start winding up the conversation. Do you have any other final advice for leaders that are looking to maximize their own career growth or performance of their team? There's some resources that they can readily engage with that can really help them get to a better place. I do. I, I, I'm a firm believer in a 360 degree assessment and, and I do those for individuals and and I've had them done to me in the past through my career and I'll tell you what it's it's very impactful. So this is an assessment that you send out to other people. The one that I do you can send to 25 people. It can be direct reports, it can be peers, it can be clients. And they anonymously rate you on for mine it's 36 leadership competencies. When you get that back it can be a bit hard to swallow sometimes yes, if you see results. <laughs> yeah. And but I'll tell you what, Dan, it it is such an impactful way to identify areas to develop because if we're going off of what we just think or what maybe one or two other people think, you're not getting the full story. And we might just be guessing at what we really need to be focused on developing. So going with a 360 assessment can be a game changer from a leadership standpoint because you come up with very specific competencies that that you can work on developing. So I think that's a game changer. And and I also have a free guide. It's it's winning the battle against imposter syndrome. I like to 
give that out to, to folks that I speak to and have that available. So that's something that, that your audience can go and download from my website as well. And that website location is? My website is theconfidencetrack.com slash imposter syndrome guide. And imposter is spelled with E-R. I say that because it can be spelled a couple of different ways. So theconfidencetrack.com slash imposter syndrome guide. Definitely go check it out. Uh, This is important and take the next step to achieve all that you can be. Lisa, thanks again for joining today, telling your personal story and really giving us a very optimistic path to how we can all get to where we want to be in terms of our careers. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate it. And a reminder to everyone, please continue to give the gift of feedback to help make this podcast better. Go out, rate and review. It's very easy to do on all the major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcast. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.